Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. And there's this story in Mark chapter 10 that I just love. It's a story of a blind man named Bartimaeus. Good old Bart. Bartimaeus has an encounter with Jesus and pretty much everything changes. And the story says that Jesus came to Jericho with his disciples in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And it says that along with his disciples, there was a great multitude that surrounded Jesus. I love that. Wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd. Crowds don't gather for the sake of gathering. When it comes to church life, crowds gather because Jesus is up to something. I love that there's overflow. I love that you're at capacity because it only means one thing. It's got nothing to do with any person that stands on this stage. It's got everything to do with what Jesus is doing in this community of people. Because where He's moving, crowds will always gather. What's happening with us in Latin America has nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with what God is doing. He was surrounded by a crowd. And the Bible says... And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, he sat by the road begging. It was his custom to be a beggar. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many, the crowd, the crowd's always fickle. The crowd's always negative. Many warned him to be quiet, told him to shut up. But I love this. This is why I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that Bartimaeus was Latino. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a mixture of Colombian, Argentine, Brazilian, Uruguayan, Chilean, but he was one messed up brother. (laughs) Because they told him to be quiet, but the story says... He cried out all the more. How many of you know you can't shut a Latino up? Especially if she's your (laughs) mother-in-law. If you're a mother-in-law, forgive me. If mother-in-laws were good, God would have one. Anyway, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I... (laughs) Come on, come on. Why do you think Peter denied Jesus? Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. It's in the Bible. I'm only kidding. I love my mother-in-law. Since I moved to Argentina more than ever. She's still in Australia. Anyway. I'm so sorry, Lord. I love your mum, babe. She gave birth to you. Anyway, he cried out all the more. They couldn't shut him up. I've titled this message, Raise Your Voice. Raise Your Voice. He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Remember, he's surrounded by a multitude. 
He's surrounded by a crowd. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, arise, he's calling you. What a bunch of hypocrites. The same crowd that told him to shut up is now the same people that are saying, come on, be happy. Be of good cheer, he's calling you. And that leads me to believe and live with a conviction that if you just keep doing what's in your heart to do, if you just keep doing what God has given you to do, the critics will turn into your praises. Why? Because they will see that God is with you, that God is for you, that God is at work in your life and through your life. Don't give the critics the last word. Don't allow them to limit you because the critics will turn into those that say, wow, God really is with these people. (laughs) Be of good cheer. He's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? What an interesting question. Uh, Duh, Jesus. He's blind, all-knowing one. Blind. It's obvious. Why are you asking him this question? I believe that Jesus just didn't want to restore his sight. He wanted to restore his dignity. How many people would have walked past him on a daily basis, seeing him as a beggar, stopped to have a conversation with him? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni which means teacher, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I love this story because it paints the picture in the midst of a crowd that Jesus is one of individuals. And the cry of one man in the midst of a multitude grabs the attention of the heart of Jesus. That's why tonight your worship, today your worship grabbed the attention of God. Your cry as we were lifting our hands and praying in faith grabbed the attention of God. Not just the person next to you, in front of you or behind you because in this crowd, God sees individuals. Sees individuals. And I ask myself, how is it that the cry of this one blind man Stop Jesus in his tracks as he was surrounded by a crowd. I came to realize his declaration was no ordinary declaration. His cry was no lightweight cry. He's like, son of David, have mercy on me. He's recognizing Jesus for who he is. He had heard that Jesus was healing others in other other towns, in other parts of the city. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He understood when you study this passage, the messianic aspect of Jesus. No one else was declaring Him as the Son of David, not the Pharisees, not the Sadducees, not the teachers of the law, but He's a man in need. And He has heard other blind people have been set free. The dead have been raised. The broken have been restored. Hang on. I think I've heard around the traps that 
There was one to come out of the lineage of David, our Saviour, our Messiah. This must be Him. He's coming past my street. Son of David, have mercy on me. When you see God for who He is, He will begin to do in you what only He can do. And his call of faith with a revelation of who Jesus is stops him in his tracks. And immediately, one encounter with Jesus changes his life. And there's a few things I see in this passage of Scripture that need to encourage us today, that need to inspire us today, that I want to leave you with today to take into your Monday tomorrow and for you to meditate on and never forget and apply to your life. The first thing I see in this passage is number one, that God responds to the voice of faith. He responds to the voice of faith. Jesus, son of David, I know who you are. I know what's been said about you. You have everything I need. You have everything I desire. You have the answers I've been looking for. Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus raised his voice in faith, knowing that all that he needed was found in Jesus. Friend, we need to understand that God doesn't respond to our need. God responds to our faith. We have way too many need-filled Christians and not so many faith-filled Christians. Present God with our shopping list. God, I need, I need, I need. But He responds to our faith. You can study the New Testament. You can study the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And not one of them will give you an account when Jesus performed the miracle of Him saying, your need has made you well. Your need has healed you. Your need has saved you. But whether it's to the leper or the centurion in Matthew 8, you're going to read, your faith has made you well. Whether it's to the two blind men in Matthew chapter 9, you're going to read, your faith has healed you. Whether it's to the woman who anointed the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter 7, you're going to read, your faith has saved you. Because God doesn't respond to our need, God responds to the voice of faith. What voice are you raising? Are you raising a voice of need? Or are you raising a voice of faith? Let me challenge your thinking. Your need must be a result of your faith. (laughs) Ah, that is awesome. I'll tell you why. God, we have faith at Calvary Kendall for a bigger building. We have faith for growth. We have faith for progress and God begins to work according to your faith and out of that faith comes a need for a bigger venue. Out of that need comes a, out of that faith comes a need for more people to get involved, for more volunteers, for more connect group leaders, for more youth leaders, for more kids leaders because God begins to respond to your faith and we need need as a result of faith not need that comes out of need. <laughs> you respond, I'm preaching myself happy. <laughs> faith. He responds to the voice of faith. Things don't come to those who need. Things come to those who believe. 
when we announced February 12th, I think it was, 2015, sorry, February 8th, 2015, Pastor Brian got up at Hillsong Australia on our Vision Sunday and announced to our church globally that we're starting Hillsong Buenos Aires and Sao Paulo. Sending Chris and Lucy and their family. Everyone was excited. But over the course of the next few weeks, a lot of Latinos living in Sydney who had migrated, my parents migrated to Sydney, Australia in 1974, my in-laws in 1992, my parents went looking for a better life. Who they found was Jesus. A lot of Latinos started coming up to Lucy and I said, are you guys sure? Have you prayed about it? <laughs> no, no. We're moving our family overseas and we haven't prayed about it. What are you smoking? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure? Your kids don't speak Spanish. You're going to take them. They'll learn. The kids. Are you sure the level of education in Argentina compared to, uh, to Australia? Are you sure? Are you sure you're in a nation that's secure? You can walk out the streets after the sun goes down. You're going to go to a nation where in many parts of town, you dare not walk out of the house after the sun goes down. Are you sure? And time and time again, these well-meaning Christians. I'll never forget this one time I was preaching in our main campus at Hills. Six o'clock service. Thousands of people preaching faith and declaring that God's going to do great things. And I told the story of how this dream was birthed in us to one day move back to the place my parents left. To be able to start a church and expand the kingdom and dream to be used by God. And this beautiful old lady, you know one of those ladies that comes up to you after you preach and says the wrong thing at the wrong time? <laughs> you think after you preach you want to hear silly comments? It's not then. Talk to us afterwards. We've just given. We've just been drained. We've just poured out. We need five, ten minutes to just think a little bit and dwell on the goodness of God, the opportunity you just had. And this old lady, she, she, was, yeah, she was beautiful, but I still wanted to lay hands on her. She, she says to me, Pastor Chris, don't go to South America. Don't take your family. Don't put your kids through that. My wife would get it time and time again in the hallways of church. And we made a decision after hearing this time and time again that the voice of faith within us was going to be greater than the negative voices around us. And you need to make a decision when it comes to your life, your family, your future, your finance, regardless of the naysayers and the critics and those who tell you to shut up, those who tell you not to dream big, those who tell you to just be someone else in the community, to not stand up, to not stand out. Those who tell you to never dare to start that business, to not ask that girl out because she's at a whole nother level. She's not, she's too good for you or that guy's too good for you. You need to make a decision at that moment that the voice of faith within you is going to be far greater than the negative voices around you because God always responds to the voice of faith. I thank God we didn't bow to the negative voices around us because in 12 months, 4,200 salvations, marriages restored, buildings packed, the kingdom extended, lives being changed because God will always honour His Abrahams that step out in faith.
He's not a man that he shall lie, nor a son of man that he shall repent. If God promised, will he not fulfill it? If God said it, will he not do it? He always responds to the voice of faith. I just visited my teenage years again. My voice cracking. Puberty all over again. (laughs) Number two. You need to understand from this passage of Scripture, what I see in verse 49, Jesus stood still in the midst of a crowd, commanded him to come. The naysayers were like, hey, we told you to be quiet, but be of good cheer now. Because we don't know what we believe. He's calling you. And what I see, number two, that you're not just another face in the crowd. In the midst of a crowd, Jesus stops to heal one individual. And I don't know who you are in this place. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what awaits you tomorrow. But what I do know is that in this place and in this world, you're not just another face in the crowd. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. The Bible says he knows the amount of hair we have on our head. For some, it's easy for God. (laughs) Just going to look straight ahead. Because I see a reflection of his glory. You're not just another face in the crowd. He knows your deepest thoughts and desires. He knows the most painful moments you've been through. And we often go to a place where we think God has forgotten me. The Bible says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You are not just another face in the crowd. You are valuable to God. The only thing that could pay what your life is worth was the blood of his one and only son. Matchless blood, sinless blood, pure blood. You are not just another face in the crowd. Regardless of what you're going through, God hasn't forgotten you and he hasn't left you. Bartimaeus, in the midst of a crowd, realizes he sees me. He hears me. He's got something for me. His life is changed. That's why, friend, I love what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 1.5, the calling of a young man called Jeremiah, where God says to him, I'm going to use you. My word's going to be in your mouth. Jeremiah offers up an excuse like we often do when God is calling us to greater things. Oh, but Lord, I'm a youth. I cannot speak. And God's like, hey, this has got nothing to do with your age. This has got nothing to do with your ability. You will go where I say you will go. And you will do where I say you will do. And he says to him in the midst of this dialogue, in verse 5, he says, before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I sanctified you I ordained you a prophet to the nations and I believe that's a word for someone in this place before you were formed in the womb he knew you that's why you need to understand friend regardless of what's been spoken over your life you coming into this world was never an accident you coming into this world was never your parents idea 
It was always God's idea. Because before you were formed, He knew you. He called you. He sanctified you. He set you apart for great things. You are not just another face in the crowd. He sees your tears. He knows your pain. But He's with you. We don't live in a perfect world. We don't live perfect lives. But we serve a perfect God. He's with us at all times. You're not just another face in the crowd. Don't allow the voice of the majority to shape your faith. In Mark chapter 5, there's a story of a woman who for 12 years had an issue of blood. 12 years. Historians and theologians tell us that she would be 24 years of age. Started at the age of 12 with this issue of blood, lost her innocence, lost her purity, lost her value. 24 years of age, in Jewish culture, she should have been married by then, but no man wanted anything to do with her because of her condition. She was rejected by society. She was limited by the religious because the religious thought over a decade facing this situation, you are unclean, you are unpure, you're a sinner, your parents are a sinner, they rejected her. But just like Bartimaeus, she hears about Jesus. She wasn't allowed to leave her home because of the law. She was impure. But she makes a decision to fix herself up. You can imagine her getting changed, thinking, this Jesus I've heard of, he restores the blind. He's coming close to sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. I know society's rejected me. I know I've been marginalized, but surely if he's doing something with them, he can do something with me. She leaves her home, I can imagine, for the first time in a long time. And the Bible says Jesus was walking surrounded by a crowd, people thronging him. Such was the intensity of the crowd trying to get to him. This woman should not have been there, not only because of her condition, but because she was a woman. She makes a choice to not allow the majority to shape her faith. And the Bible says she comes close and pushes through the crowd. I can imagine her pushing through smelly feet down low, trying to come to Jesus. She has such faith that she says, I don't need to touch Him. If I can only touch the hem of His garment, I can receive what I need. And she comes close and she gets the touch of His garment. And in the midst of a large crowd thronging him, he, Jesus stands still. So who touched me? And I can imagine Peter saying, who, who, who touched you? Estás loco. <laughs> so many people around you. And he's like, no, 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 no. This was no ordinary touch. This was a touch of faith because virtue has flown out of me. And he sees the woman she admits it was her. And he says to her, go your way, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Rejected by religion, marginalized by society, limited by her condition. And in the midst of a multitude, she realizes I'm not lost to God. I'm not forgotten to God. I'm not just a face in the crowd. And she receives a miracle. Someone needs to understand today. You're not just another face in the crowd. Yes, you're imperfect. That's why Jesus came. So that imperfect people 
can come into relationship with a perfect God. He responds to the voice of faith. You're not just another face in the crowd. And number three, as the whole band comes, don't be distracted by them. Number three, verse 50, after Bartimaeus was called, it says, and throwing aside his garments, he rose and came to Jesus. That's fascinating. Number three, we need to throw aside our garment. It's, it's interesting and it's challenging. When you understand this passage and you read about the garments, see, we just read throwing aside his garment, big deal. No, 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 no. The garment beggars had was received by local council. And that garment was their identity. That garment was their permission to be an official beggar. That garment communicated to people, I have a life limiting condition and I'm allowed to ask you for arms. I'm allowed to ask you for money so I can have money for food and I can live my life. That garment was his permission to beg. His identity was in that garment. His condition was in that garment. His provision was in that garment. His limitation was in that garment. And I love that as soon as he's called, the Bible says, throwing aside his garment. He didn't throw his garment aside after the miracle. He threw it aside before the miracle. We often say, God, I will follow you after you do this. God, I will do this after you do this. God, I will give more after you provide. God, I will serve more after you heal my family. But before the miracle, before the answer, he had no idea what Jesus was going to do. He just had faith for it. He threw aside his current condition to step into a new condition. He threw aside natural provision to receive divine provision. He threw aside his old identity to step into a new identity. What does the garment represent in your life? What do you need to throw aside in 2017? Don't limit your faith in 2017 by the experiences you had in 2016. Often we reduce our faith to the level of our experiences. But I want to encourage you, throw the garment aside and lift your experiences to the level of your faith. What do you need to leave aside today to step into all that God has for you? The garment represented so much for blind Bartimaeus. But he's like, you know what? I can't come close to him holding on to what identifies me, to what's limiting me. I've got to let go of this. And he stepped in before Jesus having let go of so much to receive the new. If we're going to raise our voice, if God's going to respond to our faith, if we're going to step into all that He has, we need to lay aside our garment. You can't step into your future holding on to your past. You can't step into what God has for you holding on to that bitterness, that lack of forgiveness, that pain. What does the garment represent for you? A past relationship you need to go of. An investment that went south. 
trusting in people because they failed you and you can't trust anyone again. Can I tell you, friend, man and woman will always fail you, but God will never fail you. Leave the garment aside so you can step into all that God has for you. 2017, it's a new day. It's a new beginning. Throw it aside. Don't step into your tomorrow holding on to your yesterday. Let go and let God. His plans for your life are greater and better than your plans for your life. The future He has prepared for you is the future you've thought of for yourself. Better than the future you've thought of for yourself. Let the garment go. The day I said yes to Jesus was redeemed from my sin, forgiven of my addictions during my third drug overdose. I made a decision to leave everything aside to follow Him. What do you need to leave aside today? And what I love that the the passage finishes off by saying, Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Question for some of you this morning is, who are you following? Are you following Jesus? Are you doing life with Him? Are you in relationship with Him? Because if you're not, I'd love to pray a prayer for every person that needs to make a decision to follow Jesus today. He loves you. He is for you. You're not lost to Him. You're not forgotten to God. You're not just another face in the crowd. What He came and did on that cross was not just for some people. It was for all people. No sin of your past is greater than His mercy. No mistake you've made is more powerful than His grace. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you on course for the plan and purpose He has for your life. But you need to make a decision to follow Him. You need to make a decision to open up your heart to Him, to surrender ownership of your life to Him. If you're not following Jesus, I'd love to pray for you. If God could forgive an ex-addict like me and God could bless my marriage and bless my family and God could use me to speak to people like you, there's no telling what God can do with you if you make a decision to surrender your life to Him. If you're not in relationship with Jesus, I want to pray for you today before we end this service because God loves you. God's not a God of religion. He's a God of relationship. Because He's a God of love. And He wants to walk in relationship with you. But I love that Jesus, He's the ultimate gentleman. He will never force His way into someone's life. He awaits an invitation. And I want to pray a prayer of invitation with every person that needs to say yes to Him today. Maybe you're here and at one point you said yes, but you drifted away. You're backsliding in your heart. You need to know it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Nothing or no one can separate you from His love. Make a decision to reconnect, to reconcile your life to Him today with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time today, I want to include you in this prayer. Or if you need to reconnect with Him because you've drifted away, this prayer is also for you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you would say, Chris, include me in this prayer right where you're seated, in the overflow, on the radio, you can also respond in the overflow, here in the auditorium. If I'm speaking to you and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, if you need to reconnect with Him because you're backsliding, Wherever you are in, on these facilities, raise your hands high enough and long enough for me to see it in here. 
I want to know who I'm praying for. So many hands are going up in this main auditorium. I have faith that in the overflow, many hands are being raised with every eye closed, with every head bowed. On the radio, you respond in your heart if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Those of you who raised your hands, you can put them down. Now I'm going to ask us all to stand to our feet here and in the overflow. We're going to pray. Those of you who raised your hands, I'm going to ask you to repeat these words after me. And as a church family, we're all going to say these words along with you. In this decision that you're making today, the most important decision any person can make. If you're on the radio and you want to give your life to Jesus, say these words wherever you find yourself. Let's pray together by saying, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, today I open up my heart and I surrender ownership of my life to You. I ask that You'd forgive me of all my sin, that You'd wipe away my past and that You'd give me a brand new start. I declare You my Lord and Saviour and ask that You'd guide me and help me in living a life that pleases You. I thank You for salvation. I thank You for Your grace. In Jesus' Name. And everybody said together. Everybody shouted together. Amen. Amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.